Rule the day the plant-based way with the new vegan mixed berry from Smoothie King. Powered by whole, non-GMO fruits, oat milk, and vegan protein, it's a dairy-free, plant-based smoothie you can feel great about. With 13 grams of protein and half your daily fiber, it's an easy way to get the essential nutrients your body craves. Skip the line and order online for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Welcome back. How are you? I am well, thank you. You? I very, very well, thank you. So let's let's jump right into it. Can you hear me well? How does this sound? I can. It sounds great. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to take this moment to, uh, first of all, say that if you were not on my Facebook page uh, for the Blind and Visually Impaired Support Group uh, uh, earlier today, um, I want to I want to say that I am so excited and so honored to say that this will be officially the first pro- podcast that I will basically manually record that will go into Apple. So this is um, this is as good as it gets. Or uh, Ashley, you're now you're now on Apple Podcasts. You're now speaking to basically the world. So this is wow. This is as good as it gets right here. Yeah. Did did, did you see my live this morning? I did actually. I thought that was quite exciting. You must be very happy with that. I am. Oh, thank you. I am really quite shocked. It's not a matter of happiness. <laughs> it's a matter of shock. So <laughs> let's let's really get this off on a strong foot and say that uh, welcome everybody to Aaron's opinion. Welcome Ashley to Aaron's opinion. So last time we spoke, um, mm-hmm. you wanted to talk about modernization. Um, as I was, yes. as I was saying in my live stream earlier, before you came into the show, that now that we're on Apple, we need to be much more serious and much more careful about what we talk about. Mm-hmm. So we are, we are not <laughs> going to talk about those sensitive things, but we are certainly going to talk about modernization. Ashley, mm-hmm. you have basically as much time as you want today to go through it nice and, um, in a really, uh, a really, you know, professional and a really, a really knowledgeable way to make sure that you can help as many listeners from from around the world as you can. Ashley, why don't you start out by by introducing yourself and then jump into this topic of modernization? Go. Okay, perfect. My name is Ashley Stewart. I am originally from Canada. Uh, I became a YouTuber. My YouTube name is Your Canadian Blind Girl. I'm on different platforms as well. But I wanted to become a YouTuber for the fact that when I started going blind, I really felt like I wasn't seeing resources or people that I could relate to uh, that were in the public eye. And I noticed that when you're blind, there's a lot of thinking outside the box that you end up having to do or thinking about processes you didn't have to think about before that just came so naturally And uh, so that kind of put me into the YouTube world and into that platform. And I understood, especially this last year, (laughs) of why a lot of people don't do things like that. Because anytime you're in the public eye, um, you're always going to get those judgments and criticisms. And I came up with the realization that, you know what, no matter what you do, whether it's good or bad, you're always going to have that one or two or three people who they're just going to be negative. So 
you might as well embrace your life and do the best you can in your life. And so that's really helped me come along. So I wanted to jump into the topic of modernization just for the fact that with my experience, I don't want to accuse anything or any organizations, but just with my experience with different blind organizations, I really felt like there wasn't enough modernization. I felt like stuff that was being taught, stuff that was being introduced was the same material or the same teaching guides that have existed since Helen Keller's time. And in case anybody's wondering, we're not still in that time. And, um, you know, why should we modernize? Well, modernizing is a natural process that should automatically happen. Modernization is really the growth or the maturity of a process, an item, product, thing, or person. And life changes, well, life changes. And there is always some kind of progression. I mean, you look at technology, transportation, and even, for instance, health stuff that's going on today, there are always changes. There's always progressions. And, you know, I just feel like modernization, it's supposed to be a natural process because if you look at anything, even if you look at a child, I don't say that they modernize, they grow, but they change with the environment that they're in. So, you know, as they're a child and they're treated as a child, they are a child, but as they get older, they're put into schools. So they're put into an environment that encourages them to grow and mature so therefore they grow and mature. And then the next thing you know, like they're a teenager, adult career, stuff like that. So it's a natural process that is supposed to happen. And, you know, what are the benefits of modernization? Well, the benefits of modernizing is that a greater impact can ensue. There are more advantages and definitely more independence. I would say that that is the biggest need of the blind community is that we need independence. And this is my opinion only, but I personally feel like we claim that we have more independence than we actually have. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I, I feel like we have a lot of wishful thinking, you know, that we put out there and we say, you know, I'm independent for this, but really we're, we only have the independence that society lets us have. Um, even if you just look at the work field, I only know a couple of handful of blind individuals out of the thousands that actually have full-time careers that can independently financially support themselves. And the reason I point that out is because I always know people who say, like they name some person that they know, you know, uh, maybe they don't know them directly and they say, well, I know this person and they have this career, they have this job and they're fully self-sustainable and, you know, stuff like that. And I'm always like, okay, well, that's nice about this mythical person, but <laughs> that's only one compared to the thousands who are desperately looking for work. And even those who have work, um, and I say this only from through the grapevine of you know, my friends that have work that talk to me, um, I feel that they have to prove that not only can they fill the requirements uh, that's expected of them and their sighted co-workers, but I also can't help but feel that 
they feel like they have to be beyond what is expected. Like they are expected to handle work situations even better than their coworkers. And really that is not an independence because that turns that job almost into a uh, competitive position because now you are having to do more than the actual requirements because you're trying to prove that you have the right to be in that same workload or that same work field. But I'm getting off track with that <laughs> because I'm not discussing job or work situations for the blind. But that is a situation I would hear about in all of the blind groups or different forums or uh, chat rooms that I'm in. And I would discuss these serious issues before um, on my Facebook page in different groups. And I felt like these um, discussions were being neglected by major blind organizations. And I would have people who would argue. And a lot of times these people who were argue arguing, um, it turns out that they were very obviously cited or they were in a group that really they had perfect sight with glasses. Like their, their sight was correctable. And, you know, uh, they would say all these things about, well, no, it's not like that. It's like this. And, you know, and in fact, it actually got to a point that I ended up blocking a lady because everything that I would talk about, she would argue and say that there were better outcomes than what I was discussing. And every single time that myself or another person would ask her for proof or an example, she didn't have one. And sometimes I feel like these organizations, um, try to convince us of a way of thinking. Um, and I'll talk about that in a little bit, but I feel like they try to uh, persuade a mindset that is not originally our own. And I don't want to say brainwashing because that just sounds way too out there, but um, only from my experience with different organizations. And I realize that sometimes they are limited by resources, they're limited by volunteers, they're limited by finances. I understand that. But at the same time, I really feel like there isn't that draw or push or that, um, you know, something that's really getting them to move forward like a lot of other groups are doing, you know, and I get really disheartened with that because I feel like that's yeah. not paying attention to the needs of the people. You, you need to be willing to hear the needs of the people. With, without doubt. You know, by the way, everybody, so, it, so in case you're just coming into the podcast or in case you're listening, you, you, you know, you have to get used to things now that we're on this bigger platform. As, as we go through, I kind of want to want to introduce things as we go, because people listen to podcasts at different times and they sometimes listen to pieces of podcasts. By the way, that was Ashley Stewart. My name's Aaron Richmond. This is Aaron's opinion on Apple Podcasts and basically at this point, wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Google, so many more. If you have any questions about that, just just drop me an email to my show or you could even call my show's Google Voice number. I'd be happy to give you more information about that. Additionally, I think everything you've said so far is spot on. And in my opinion, everything you've said is 100% um, accurate. Um, I have noticed uh, so far that you've been making a lot of, um, you know, comments in the, in the they and a lot of these, you know, third person types of uh, statements. Um, what I want to know and what I want to talk more about 
is I, I want to hear more from about your individual life story. Meaning, so I want to know, Ashley, how did you grow up? Um, what what types of uh, you know jobs would you you know perhaps were you aspiring to have? Um, and the other thing that I want you to talk a lot more about in, in, in depth detail that our listeners will like is to hear more about YouTube because many, many, many people blind or not are fascinated by YouTube and YouTube is a, is a really interesting place because it's similar, similar to podcasting because anyone can go onto YouTube and, you know, upload, upload a video and then people can comment about it as you know, as I've told people on my channel, one of the strangest things is I've gotten some very nice comments, some very kind comments. And it's sad for me to say that, ladies and gentlemen. But now we live in a world where most comments, if people comment about things, if it's a comment, if someone mm -hmm. says, if someone says, can I comment about that? Well, I think in my mind out loud, I say, yes, yeah, sure, go ahead. In my mind, I think, oh, God. <laughs> in my here mind, goes. I, here comes the negativity. <laughs> because mostly, and there, there are, there are, in my opinion, there are a certain there is a certain percentage of our population that mm -hmm. has a habit of um, of simply being negative. Mm -hmm. And I, for one, and one for all, am done. And um, I'm done with that. Mm -hmm. um, I was saying on our on our live stream today that from this moment forward, my show is not tolerating any of that negativity or poor behavior. So we hope we hope that this morning was the last time I had to say anything about that. And we hope that from here on out. Aaron's opinion truly does continue to become a great place where blind people from all over the world can, you know, can come and come, can come, come and talk about the experiences that they're having in their life. I really, really, really am hoping for that. Hopefully, I'm also hoping that this shock that I had this morning will push our show into the right direction, um, which, of course, I never I never expected. But so um, now that you mentioned your YouTube channel, yeah, let's let's chat about YouTube for a bit here. Let's go on a YouTube hike here. Um, <laughs> so talk more about your channel. I mean, you said who it was. Um, no, I, I don't believe I have ever seen your videos, but that certainly does not mean that they are that they are not great. In fact, I know they're great videos, Ashley. I simply am not aware of them. So definitely give yourself a plug. It's important to remember that when you're a podcaster out there or a YouTuber or a blogger or an author, there's a lot of content today that's being shared mm -hmm. all over the internet and mm -hmm. it can become a blur. And it's simply, mm -hmm. if someone says, you know, Oh, Ashley, I haven't gotten to your channel yet. It's trust me, Ashley, it's nothing personal, but mm -hmm. there are thousands of channels and literally thousands of videos that someone should or should not see. So mm -hmm. talk about your channel. Who are you? Who are you on YouTube and why should the viewers and the listeners of Aaron's opinion watch and, and, and subscribe to you on YouTube. Go. Okay, well, perfect. The perfect example to actually segue right into that was you said there's tons of content out there and you are so right. One of the things, especially as a woman, is um, I'm a performer. Um, I'm an international performer and I do speaking and stuff like that. And I need to make sure that, you know, I look the part. I always try and make sure I dress up. I look nice. My hair is nice. My makeup is done. And being blind, that threw a curveball into my makeup because I didn't do makeup all the time. I only did makeup uh, when I was, you know, hired to do a performance. And um, so because of that, I wasn't a pro at makeup before going blind. 
And after I went blind, I really, really struggled with uh, the makeup process. And I would go on YouTube and I would say, blind tutorial, how to do my makeup. And there were tons of blind girls on YouTube who were proving to the world that they could do their own makeup, which is great, by the way. I love that. I love uh, videos where you are proving your independence. However, that did not help me as a blind individual. I'm trying to learn from another blind person how to do my makeup. And so after a while, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to figure out how to do it myself, how to make it work for myself. And once I figured something out, I actually created a YouTube series um, that is so detailed that you can even do your own um, contour, which I don't know. I'm a little bit of a chubby lady, so I like to do contour. It makes my face look a little bit slimmer. And I figured out a technique that it doesn't matter what kind of face shape you have, if it's round, uh, square, heart-shaped, oval, whatever it is, I found a way that you can apply contour to your face using masking tape and using certain parts on your face, pinpointing exact spots on your face so that it really matches whoever you are. And I remember when I did this series, I actually had someone, they were from the UK, I forget what the blind organization is over there, and I've, I'm sorry for that, but they... No, reached, no problem, RNIB probably. Yes, I think that was it. I had someone from RNIB, thank you so much. Could have been. Uh, yeah, I think it was actually. Um, someone from there, they actually reached out to me and said, you know what, your videos are amazing. And I have sent them to all of my clients because they said, I, you know, this is the biggest thing that comes up when I'm helping uh, women, uh, teaching them how to independently do their makeup and your techniques just really worked. And so um, that was my excitement uh, for the YouTube channel was because I didn't start a YouTube channel just to get my voice out, just to get me out. I got my YouTube channel out there just so I can make a difference in somebody else's life who is blind. Um, so that's really where YouTube came from. And if anyone's interested in starting a YouTube channel, some tips that I would have for you is do not be an everybody. <laughs> okay, because you will see this happen all the time. I see this happen all the time. Someone gets on face on YouTube and they, they don't really know who they themselves are yet. And so they kind of try and be a little bit of everybody. Uh, you know, they're, they're copying or mimicking um, bigger YouTubers, which that's a great point. Um, you know, you're copying someone who's successful. So you're hoping eventually you will be successful. That's great. Um, I'm not saying don't do that. But what I'm saying is be you. Be who you are. Share your story of who you are, where you've come from, what you're trying to do. Um, what you're doing in your life, because like Aaron had said, there is thousands of content out there. And if you just blend in with everybody else, you're never going to be seen. Your, your point isn't going to be heard. And um, the biggest thing I can say is, you know, sometimes the number of subscribers or watch hours, like I know everyone focuses on that on YouTube, but what you should focus on is your quality because Time is what stands the test of time. Um, over time, people will start seeing, wow, this person is legit. This person is real. This person is not trying to put out a fake um, persona or a fake attitude or a fake person. They're genuinely being who they are. 
And I like that. I like them being real. And but be careful because there are going to be haters. Like Aaron has mentioned, there is a percentage of the populace who they just run on mean. And um, the point is, don't focus on them. Um, focus on your loyal subscribers, focus on those who they're always, you know, they're always sending you a message of encouragement. They're always commenting positively. Those are the people to focus on um, because they're the ones who are genuinely listening, genuinely applying what you're saying in your video. Um, a perfect example of this is I did a video called Blind Bride Breakdown. Um, please remember, I was not born blind. I went blind about four years ago now this spring. and um, in the video, I was right. for the list for the first little bit that I was engaged. My fiance and I were trying to work on wedding details. Um, my family on this end, we were trying to work on wedding details. And, you know, people were getting frustrated with me because they felt like I wasn't being involved. And I really was floundering because I never imagined being someone who was born with sight. You know, all girls dream about planning their wedding. I never had imagined that. I would have to plan my wedding blind. And so I was having a really hard time because I felt like I was missing so many things that I wanted to see. And so I did this video where I gave myself time to cry about it. I cried about what I didn't like. I cried about what wasn't fair. And then at the end of the video, I said, okay, you know what? My time to cry is over. Now I'm focusing and I'm throwing myself into the wedding. And me doing that gave me such a push and release because I gave myself to mourn about the fact, and then I got to the focus. And so I shared the video just because, like, my channel is about being real. It's not a flattering video. I'm on there crying. <laughs> it's it's not nice to watch. And I had three people, two brides and a groom, write me very detailed messages about how they were going through the exact same thing they did not know how to share to their family. Hey, look, this is what I'm going through. I cannot plan a wedding right now. I just need two days. And they wrote me back and said, your video was perfect. Your video has helped me over this lump. And now our wedding is off to a great start. And my family and my soon-to-be spouse now understand emotionally where I am at. And those three people, and when I released the video, that video got such hate from some from the blind community, some from the site, because it wasn't in. Really? Yeah, it wasn't an encouraging, motivating video. It really wasn't. It was me crying about what was so hard in my life. And I probably, I'm not even joking, I probably got 50 hate comments, hate messages of this isn't really what blind life is about. Da -da 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 -da. And I was like, actually, it is. Actually, it is. If you're someone who had perfect sight and then lost and, it, yes, right, yes, right. it is. But those and, three... yeah, and who are they? Right, exactly, e exactly. Mm -hmm. Everybody, that's right. And you know, and, and and who who are who are these fifty people? Number one, whose business is it of theirs? Mm -hmm. Even if the video wasn't true. Mm -hmm. Number two, whose business is it? Whose business is it for them to come? And if they aren't having your situation, mm -hmm. number three. They're just 50 other people who don't even know you. How do they know that they're so right? Who are these 50 mm -hmm, people? Mm -hmm. I mean, they'd have to be, they'd really have to be serious trolls. Yep. And seriously, you know, mm -hmm. seriously strange people. Yeah, to kick a to girl. Spending the, well, I was gonna... To be spending the time. <laughs> Sorry. To be spending the time, to be spending the time 
to you know bug you like that and to, and to say all these strange things, none of which, none of which are true. Well, it shows that those are the fifty trolls. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always there's always going to be the trolls. Personally, I'll, I'll tell you my opinion about it. Mm-hmm. If I saw a video about like wedding planning or marriages, I I wouldn't I wouldn't watch it. Not because I don't care. But simply because that's not something I'm interested mm-hmm. in in my life. I'm not. I'm not there in my own life. It's not. It's something I can relate to. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the fact that you did. I, I know it's a great video. I think it's a wonderful idea that you did that, and I support the video. But if I'm a viewer, you know, of that type of thing, and I see it in my feed, would I watch it? Well, probably not. But th- that's not my cup of tea. But 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 no matter. I certainly wouldn't spend any time then. Um, commenting and saying saying anything mean. If I don't want to watch the video, if I don't like it, I'm not I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm mm-hmm. going to just go about my day and watch what I want to watch and not worry about it. Well, I always wonder then, and I was having this conversation with my previous guest um, about which kind of loops back into discrimination, which is a huge part of life when you have a disability. About why so many people with with disabilities face discrimination mm. and why so many people invest so much energy in discriminating against people with mm-hmm. disabilities and i think that one of the one of the philosophies that i have developed i think and it's um at least the other guest that i had a couple of days ago the other guest seemed to agree with my philosophy he i i said point blank i said the reason why so many people with disabilities face discrimination is because so many of us actually are successful yep. and that being discriminated against is a symptom of, of, of success. Mm-hmm. Meaning if you, if you don't, if you don't go through life without making enough people angry and making enough people dislike you, then you're doing something wrong mm-hmm. in my, in my estimation. Mm-hmm. So there has to be some, you know, if, if you want to get anywhere, you're going to have to make one person. angry. Yep. Yep. And, and the problem, the problem though that we're having is too many people are too afraid to stand up and make other people angry. Yes. If someone doesn't, if someone doesn't like me, you know what I say? I say, great. I don't like you either. <laughs> Good. Go about, yep. your, go about your business then. Fine. But, but I don't, I don't say it with any, with any malice or any, mm-hmm. any distaste or anything. I say in my mind, I say, okay, fine. Go, go about your business. I, I, it doesn't bother mm-hmm. me. So really the problem was it, Okay, I don't know who's, I forget who said it. If it was me, I'm repeating myself, but it probably wasn't me. It was, I don't know where I saw this, but there was a comment somewhere that says, you know, the, the, the person doing the discrimination or trolling or making the negative comment, th- that's the problem. That's the problem with the video is the negative con. The problem with the video is the troll. Mm-hmm. So I, I put the burden of proof on the troll. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm also someone who, you know, I don't know. My, my videos, luckily and un, and and unfortunately and unfortunately, do not attract enough attention um, to get trolls. But I mean, I've had I've had problems with people mm-hmm. on my channel, and my strategy is in the end, I, I have to ignore the person. I don't. I don't pursue the person. I don't say anything. I just eventually, you'd be surprised, actually. Pe- people do go away very, very quick. Yes. People disappear. Yeah. They disappear at, a, at an amazingly high rate, high rate mm-hmm. of speed, which is why I don't spend a whole lot of time worrying about comments or want, really wanting people to comment because I know, you know, logically, most of the comments are going to be trolls. Although, 
that doesn't although I, I said something that's not true because the the videos that I produce only for some reason only get good comments I don't I, I don't know Ashley I don't know don't ask me Aaron how do you do that no I don't know I'm not going to tell you because I have no idea if if I knew if I knew how to do that I, I would probably do it more often mm-hmm. but I think what you what you said earlier about that about podcasting in general and when you start out as as an author which is basically what a podcaster is this is basically an audio book mm-hmm. that someone can take with them and enjoy anywhere in the world and I hope that they do and it's very true I'm not trying to imitate anyone um what i'm trying to imitate is mm-hmm. me so so in so in this podcast in this ep- in this episode you're hearing from me if you love it great if you don't great but you're hearing from mm-hmm. me i'm not going to i'm not going to imitate someone else and really um, I do accept feedback from other podcasters. I've asked other podcasters in podcast groups, you know, what to do, how to handle things, uh, how to approach things. And my, my philosophy holds up that Aaron's opinion is a podcast where we basically go about our business and have conversations around the world. Mm-hmm. And that's a format that works for me. Apparently, it works for you or else you wouldn't have come. <laughs> so if it works for us, it's got to work for someone else. And I think that's a really important mm-hmm. thing. It's good to emulate podcasters a little bit, but it's even better if you can, if you can have your own mm-hmm. flavor, mm-hmm. you know, if you can really take, take, you know, content and make and really own it and take ownership of the content and make it your own. That is really Mm-hmm. What, you know, what I think, what I look for in a podcaster is someone who's really unusual, mm-hmm. you know, who kind of has an unusual way of speaking. Um, and I think I do, actually. I think I have a very unusual personality. Well, I'm I'm a pretty strange guy to begin with. But as it relates as it relates to the podcast, um, I'm, I'm a pretty I'm a pretty unusual person. I think I don't think many people my age have the interest to be a podcaster as much as I do. And I don't think a lot of them have uh, quite as much um, perhaps um, unusual characteristics and an unusual life perspective as, as I have, because I think I do have a very strange and unusual perception of life because my life for anyone uh, has been quite strange and quite unusual and very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. So I understand when, you know, people have a hard time relating and that's, Okay. You are listening. You are listening to, as we go through, you're listening to Aaron's opinion, the podcast for blind people where where we're talking about issues in the blindness community. Right now we're talking to Ashley Stewart, who joins us today. Let's go back to your YouTube channel. Okay. After that, after these wedding Mm -hmm. videos. So what are some, what are some of your other content that you have that you can tell people about that might be, Again, and I'm saying it because I'm not saying that the wedding videos are not good. I know they're great. But I am saying what I am saying is in truth, that's not really Mm -hmm. relatable Mm -hmm. to people. And what I mean is unless you're unless you're like, you know, unless you have a fiance, unless you're getting married. I mean, I I apologize ahead of time. But that's just that's not something that Mm -hmm. most people most people just in America. we, We might I mean, it might be I mean, I have no idea. Um, how it is in Canada, but in America, we, we mind our own business about weddings and who's getting married. And we stay out (laughs) of that in America. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's, would be kind of unusual and, you know, kind of strange. Um, 
But so what are some, what, can you talk more in depth about some content you've uploaded that would be relatable sure. to a higher percentage of people? So a lot Go of ahead. things that I talk about, so that's just an instance. Um, and, uh, but I talk about other things, like I talk about how independence things, um, like for instance, if you're trying to find a way to independently, you know, work on a project or in your own home. I have videos for that. I'm actually coming out with some independence videos because I found out from, and this is someone from my community who is struggling with vision loss and their doctor was not recommending them any kind of blind resources, nothing like that. And, you know, they're struggling just to live in their own home. And so I decided, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do some series about how I function. Like, for instance, you have salad dressing bottles or the salt and pepper shaker are exactly the same shape, exactly the same size. You know, like we all like I would say we all know little gimmicks, but then maybe we don't because we haven't been shown little gimmicks that work for us. And, um, you know, the same, like when you wash and condition your hair, oftentimes the products are in the exact same bottle. And, you know, like there were times before I learned how to you know, do things for myself. Like I would go to wash my hair and accidentally, you know, start washing with conditioner and be like, oh dear, <laughs> great. <laughs> well, now my hair will be extra soft, you know, so things like that. Um, you know, often I joke around that, uh, cause I go live on my personal timeline a lot because with me traveling, um, there's lots of friends and relatives that I don't get to keep up personally. And so they like to watch my stuff and, you know, I'll talk about, I'll say, you know, sometimes being blind in my house is, um, <laughs> it's like being on an Easter egg hunt, except there is no chocolate, uh, you know, and so I have tips in there of how to do things in the blind life. I have tips on, um, I'm actually going to be doing an in-depth series of, adapting and coping with blindness if you're someone who's going blind later in life and you're having a hard time with the changes what I wish I knew when I was going blind so I'm going to be coming out with that really soon I've been working on the content for that making sure that it's very clear uh, if you don't know I have a tendency to uh, to ramble uh, uh, sometimes I talk about uh, modern things like for instance blind people using cell phones um, like different things like that, where I express how important it is for blind people to modernize and get up to speed with what's available today, because that is so important. And one thing I want to say about YouTube trolls is I really feel like that's so society's proof of people who refuse to modernize, because some people today still have the mindset that, well, people with disabilities, they should be at home. And to me, like, I feel like that's really, um, th that's just a mindset that's refusing to modernize with the movement to advance with what's going on in society today. And, um, you know, that was something that was really different about when I met my spouse, because uh, different countries, they have different cultures, they have different ways of doing things. And in the Philippines, it's very common, at least where my husband is from, for someone who is blind to be uh, staying at home, like their family does everything for them. Um, even self hygiene, the family is the one who helps with that. And to me, I was really shocked and surprised when I was approached with that because I went to the Philippines. I volunteered in the Philippines for a little bit. 
uh, to teach music at a children's home. And when I got there, they had set me up in a room that had an extra bed. And they said, we, we can assign you a helper, one of the older girls here, and she can help you change and shower and, you know, get around and stuff like that. And I said, no, I'm, I'm okay. I don't need that. And they were like, oh, and to them that like, because being an independent individual, uh, sometimes I talk about over-independence. You know, sometimes we have the mindset of how rude I can do it myself. And well, people aren't being rude. They just don't know. You know what I mean? Like they don't know. They don't, they haven't been taught. They haven't been shown an example. And um, so to me, I kind of thought it was kind of funny, you know, because I was like, uh, yeah, I flew halfway around the world. Now my brother did come with me. Um, he came to the same place that I was, uh, but like I flew halfway around the world and you think I can't get changed by myself, <laughs> you know? So I just thought it was kind of humorous. Right. right. But everywhere has different cultures. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I, I too have noticed it with the, with the issue, um, of, of the volunteering that I, that I have done in my life. Yeah. I volunteered in one of the uh, one of the countries in in the Caribbean, a small country near Dominica, near mm -hmm. Martinique, and um, the it was a wonderful experience for me. It was about oh, almost good good heavens, almost six years ago, six or seven years ago mm -hmm. now that it happened, um, and the the this particular island does a wonderful job. They have an association for blind people. They have lions clubs, and for for the standards of of their you know part of the world, um, it's actually it's actually quite good. The standards of the island are quite high mm -hmm. for their region, but still, you know, the blind people, um, many many of them are not. Um, you know, as you were saying before, many of them are not really as as mm -hmm. modern uh, as maybe as maybe mm -hmm. they could be. But you know, I think that you you were right to find it funny, as you you use that word, um, or be be um, be offended by the fact that they were surprised that you, you know, are able, um, to, you know, mm -hmm. take care of yourself. That, that, that issue of, of caring for yourself, that can be a very, seems to be a very unknown topic for a lot of people, um, mm -hmm. around the world. It's, and it's not, it's not an, what you experience was not mm -hmm. uncommon. Um, I think the, uh, impression that people and students have given me about the Philippines is although I've never been there I've heard that it's a wonderful place but I've also heard that it's a very um country with many 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 mm -hmm. many challenges so the the people the people who are not blind in the Philippines have a very difficult and a very challenging life I think that the Philippines seems to be a very challenging yes. place to be. <laughs> that's true so it 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 would not surprise so it would not so it would not surprise me in the slightest that they would be confused by the fact that you can you know get dressed and, and mm -hmm. take care of yourself. It's for our standards as people from North America, it would seem strange, and and for that. But I will tell you that what you experience in the Philippines 
um, that that aspect does not does not mm-hmm. surprise me in in the fight. And that kind of brings. Oh, so what I so so what I do in those in those rare circumstances when I'm overseas is I kind of try to go with it as best I can. Um, you know, there was all, all sorts of things I've done overseas. I mean, there was ton, tons of different examples of different odd little things that people say. Like I was, um, French is my second language. So I was applying for like to go to like a, um, a French immersion school um, because although French was my second language my whole life, my parents needed me to go to an immersion school and, um, you know, speak speak French at, you know, a native, uh, somebody native mm-hmm. level and I was applying to the different schools around the country and one school you know wrote back something to the effect of well um you you, you cannot you cannot study in our institution um because there are steps mm-hmm. building mm-hmm. steps so I've I've gotten I've gotten that too that's a very common way of getting out of of wanting someone in your organization saying well it's nothing about us but our building is challenging well that's and that's and that is an acceptable response for someone from that part of the world simply because in you know in my opinion and, and in my estimation blind people in that part of the world um are not um are simply not really really employed as as you have mm-hmm. as you have noticed and i think i think this is a the issue of how many blind people around the world are not appropriately employed in meaningful employment. Actually, I've told people, I'll tell you, I'll tell my listeners, I think that number is a lot higher than either one of us yep. can understand or imagine. And I think that number is is embellished um, on a uh, regular on a mm-hmm. regular basis. Yes. So it, it's very, 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 mm-hmm. very important to to remember that a lot of what dictates um, a lot of what dictates how people are going to behave in the country is their social expectation. If it's considered if it's considered socially appropriate, for instance, as you said in the Philippines, if it's socially appropriate for a blind person to have someone to help them with everyday everyday tasks around the clock, then then I would just to make the argument and to show illustrate how people think through it, then a Filipino would think that it is not appropriate to allow a blind person to take care of themselves without mm-hmm. their help, you see. So it, it goes mm-hmm. it goes both ways. You know, this is this has been a, a ongoing problem in many countries, mm-hmm. not just the Philippines. Um, it's true what you said about the Philippines. It's true, but it it also happens in, in Europe. Um there's a lot more information that has been coming out lately that says that these types of things are happening a lot more in a couple specific countries in Eastern Europe that, um, that I'm sure you have, I mean, I don't want to get into <laughs> yeah. all of it, you know, it, it gets very, it gets yeah. very negative yeah. very quickly. Um, but I'm sure you've seen the documentaries about that, about what's going on mm-hmm. in some certain country in, in Eastern Europe. I think you probably mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about. So I, I think that um, I think that there is a lot and the, the other thing is that there is a lot of concern when people from North America, you're a Canadian, I'm American, 
works, but there is a lot of concern when we go overseas. One of the one of the things that the that the citizens of that country are concerned with and paranoid about is what is this person going to tell their home country mm-hmm. about our country? So I think that there's always that too. You know, it's a lot of a lot of different things are going on that make the people act in a very in a very unusual way yes. at times um and and what do you and what do you think about about all i think that? that is very true like i have lived in the philippines for quite a few months at a time and yeah you do notice a pattern like you notice people who and this but this is anywhere though because like it's the same if you know the first time you go over to your best friend's house you know the parents are very um, like they're not very chill, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everyone has to be nicely dressed. The house has to be perfectly clean. And if it's that kind of friend that you're there. Yeah, I, no- I noticed, but by the way, everybody. So, 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 so actually, re- 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 so remember some of our listeners are, are American and they aren't quite so familiar with this, with this beautiful Canadian English that you speak. I've observed that Canadian people say <laughs> chill a lot. Um, that might just be me. I don't no, know. You do. You do. You know why? Because no, it's cold Canadians up here, like constantly. over six months of the year. So we have to use words like cool and chill. <laughs> that's no, that's not. A, that's that's a lot of it. I think that does. I think words about coldness are said more often. In your Maybe I didn't notice that. It's definitely true. Oh, okay. Well, I've noticed all the other YouTube. There's, you know, you know who it is. But there's a there's a YouTuber in your country who has built a a a brand just simply on, on temperature, on using a code word for temperature. I'm not going to say it, but you know who it is. Um, I'm not sure actually. That makes me have to think because I'm like, okay, I I might, but I don't know for sure. Let's uh, well, well, anyway, so yeah. So chill means um, in American Mm -hmm. terms, that means relaxed is what it means in America. It means it doesn't really mean anything in America though, because Americans are not relaxed. So yeah, can you tell us? Can you tell? Yeah, Americans well, are pretty. I spent my first four years in Oklahoma, in so I actually knew the American anthem before I knew the Canadian anthem. And when I was younger, my mom was driving me somewhere, and I had some old gospel music from the states that I was listening to. And in the middle of the tape, there was the American anthem, and so because I like to sing, I just sang every song on the cassette. And so I, I sang the American anthem and my cousin who's, she's only heard it at baseball games. My cousin in the, from the back seat pipes up and goes, Hey, you can sing for the Blue Jays game when they do uh, guests from America. And so it was just so funny. So actually my first four years of life, I was in Oklahoma and I knew the American anthem before I knew the Canadian anthem. So. Yes, I, 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 I see. I see. So, I mean, I think I think that's a really that's a really interesting that's really interesting. Um, so so were you born? Were you born I, in, in Canada? No, I was born, born in, in Canada. States? And then we had moved to the States for a little bit temporarily. And my brother actually was born down there. And then we moved back up here. So the year we moved back was actually the year of the um, 95. Was it the 95 bombing? I believe in Oklahoma, um, we were down there when that happened. And I remember that actually. And um, yeah, so we moved back up here after that had happened. 
And um, so we stayed up here uh, for all of our lives. And then I went volunteered in the Philippines. And now I live part-time in the Philippines and part-time in Canada. Well, I think I think that's great. Yeah, I've never it's been very to the hot. Philippines. I mean, <laughs> I've never been to... I see. Yeah. Is it one of those countries where it's kind of tropical the whole year? And yeah, really they have say they have seasons, but the reality is, is they have summer and what probably people would describe purgatory like that. Those are the temperatures. Those two temperatures. <laughs> I see. <laughs> it's very hot. You walk out of the airport and you're like, oh, I didn't even know I could sweat this much. And we haven't even reached the car. So, yes, it gets very, very hot there. So one thing that yeah, a lot of, I was going to say, looping yes, back to the modernization, uh, just an idea sure. thought process, like I'm not telling anybody to go out and create a fuss or a riot or anything like that. But I'm saying, if you really have a thought process of why refuse to modernize, like to me, like, why are these organizations, what is their number one reason for refusing to modernize? Because yeah, no, let's, yeah, let's talk about that more. Okay, let's get into it more. I'm, I'm going to tell you um, what, okay. I, what, what I think about that. I, 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 I'm telling you what, what I think first so that maybe it can help you. I think mm-hmm. that I've given this a lot of thought, and I think that some of these organizations, and of mm-hmm. course I cannot say Same. what it's called, um, but because, as I said, we need to be, we need to be more mm-hmm. cautious as we build our podcast, but in just speaking in general terms, most of these, all of these organizations, or if not most of them, number one, their their budget mm-hmm. is controlled by yep. donations. Number two, all right, number two, um, they although they do not want to admit this is true, I find this to be secretly true that an organization, every organization, yep. has a president and has a leader, and that leader is a person, and so because of that, that leader. Um, has their own perception of what they want to have done and what they feel suits the organization. And that's that's fine and well, but it can, you know, depending on who it is and depending on the organization, you know, the, the, the leader mm-hmm. can easily get in the way. And I'm not saying that leaders do right now. I'm just saying that in yep. general, that can and does happen more more often than not. You, you can have a wonderful organization, but if the leader mm-hmm. gets in the way and blocks the road, mm-hmm. well, there's nothing you can do. So I think, I think that is, I think that is a lot of it. The other thing that I think is, is going on is that these, these organizations, you know, it's kind of sad, but I am, I am not a hundred percent convinced that they do yes. want to modernize. Because because if they did, if they fixed all mm-hmm. the problems, if we knew, because philosophically, if we mm-hmm. knew the meaning of life, right, mm-hmm. then what's the point in living? If we had all the answers, mm-hmm. what's the point? You know, if, if you solve all the problems, how can the exactly. company make profit tomorrow? Mm-hmm. So that is yeah. that is my opinion. That yeah. is not a fact. That's my opinion. Actually, mine What's was really opinion? along that um, thought process because I was going to point out, like, really, when you're refusing to modernize, it's really a form of control. I mean, look at certain religious groups or even communi- communist countries 
that do not let their citizens modernize. It is a form of control, making sure that they are dependent on a government or a system or in our case, an organization. And if you watch or listen to documentaries, like for instance, I'm going to say North Korea because that's openly a communist country. Um, and if you watch or listen to documentaries online, right, you will see how the people of that country are kept by their leader away from common modern technology. I'm not even talking about expensive technology. I'm just talking about common modern technology, modern education and ways of life. And to me, like that is so strange. And a personal experience is I've had two workers from the same organization who they were working with me on different skills and whatever. I was talking just casual talk because I make friends with the people who are employed. They come and we work on things and we become friends. And so we were just having a, you know, just a conversation. And I said, you know, I was with my friend and I was listening to this video and it was, it was a popular video at the time, whatever. And they stopped me and said, we don't say that. We don't say that we listen to a video. That sounds weird. We watch it just like everybody else does. And I'm like, no, that's not true. Because if I was to say that, my friends are like, oh, can you see the TV? Or is your sight coming back? Are you having, you know, and no, I'm not like everybody else. So are you trying to say that I'm not normal because I'm not like everybody else? And I got the impression over time that, Really, what the training was, was instead of embracing that I'm an individual, that because of life circumstances, I am different, um, you're trying to make me blend in with the sighted world. So really, what are you trying to do? You're not trying to make me independent. You're trying to make me conform. So I blend in and I remain invisible. Because if I talk like everybody else, for instance, we're talking about a podcast. And if I sit on here over and over, I watch this video, I watch that documentary, I watch this baseball game. Someone who's listening, they really might not grasp the fact that I am actually blind. But if I said, you know what, I was listening to this video and they're like, well, I've seen that video. Oh, she said, listen, because she can't see it. You know what I mean? Um, but I thought that that was so funny that they had to stop me right in the middle of what I was saying to say, no, we don't say that. We say we listen. And I was like, who's this proverbial we? You know what yeah, I mean? That's weird. Yeah, who says exactly. that? Exactly. Neither would I. I neither would, never, would I. I wouldn't. Exactly. No, I say watch. If I watch a video, mm -hmm. because if I so watch I a video, like, I'm watching it. Sorry. You don't see. No problem. Because if you're blind and you're a YouTuber, when you have when you have views on your video, you call mm -hmm. those viewers. You don't call them listeners. So you know you can't you can't have you can't have people say. I mean, I guess <laughs> apparently you can, but you can't have people. Uh, apparently, no. Apparently, you you can. It's it's just awfully strange that someone would say, you know, mm -hmm. oh, you have to say, mm -hmm. yeah, you, you have to say, listen, um, as opposed to the other one that that always confuses me. And I'll tell you the funny story about this. This is a global one. The issue of the word blind, <laughs> that word scares people. And I, I, I say it, I say it in, Eng I say it in English. I'm blind. I, I say mm -hmm. it in French, je suis aveugle, because for the reason that, that I am, not for the reason that I have an impairment. 
So mm-hmm. I never really mm-hmm. like the word impairment, I guess. It's not, it's not really because it's not an accurate, it, I think it's not accurate to say it's an impairment. Right. It's not an impairment. There's no, there's, there, again, back to the trolls yeah. or the discriminators, it's not my problem. So there's nothing, there's no, yeah. there's nothing that is impairing me. It is a yes. simple, yeah. it is a state of and fact. Like I said, I, I really feel like so, that course, refusing yes. to modernize, like, why are you forcing me to talk like the way we talked back in, you know, the 1800s or even 50 years ago? Why are you refusing to modernize? And like I said, and especially with this one organization, I was under, um, like, they would come to my house and try and teach me different things, whatnot. And what I was noticing was when they changed ownership and they, and some of the programs and um, organizations, uh, some of them actually get government grants and funding and stuff like that. So um, some of them are not that inhibited by financial uh, situations. But again, if they fixed all the people who are blind to be independent where we had jobs and we had this and we could do it ourselves and we were leading up where we were helping other blind people and they don't have to rely on an organization then where would all their money come from and see this is another thing too they would like this okay so this drives me nuts they would when they were telling me how to do my nails and by the way if you're a girl check out my youtube channel on your canadian blind girl i have a really great tool and tip on there how you can do your nails perfectly at home but anyways, uh, they would tell you how to do your nails using Vaseline around the edge of the nail, da 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 And I tried it, and this is what would happen. Any nail polish that touched the Vaseline would never dry. So then the when you wipe it off, it creates like a, a mess. Like you can feel it's not smooth, it's rough, and you know that it doesn't look nice. And so I was like, you know what? This doesn't work for me. So I was sitting down at home and I was trying to figure out, okay, how can I do this? I tried several ways, several methods. I'm an outside the box thinker. And I blame this on having, I was diagnosed with lupus at a very young age. And so there were a lot of things I could not do. Um, My family was not, you know, financially endowed. So a lot of times I had to think outside the box my whole life, uh, which later I realized was a great gift that I was able to use once I went blind. But at home, like I went several ways how to do my nails, how to do my nails. And I tried over and over different methods, different techniques, different tips, different tools, until finally I found a way that worked for me so good, in fact, that sometimes when I'm out, people will comment and say, oh, I love your nails. Where'd you get them done? And they are shocked that I do them at home. I even have like decals and gems and stuff on them. And they're shocked. And I went back to the person who she was trying to teach me how to do this other horrible method. And I said to her, I go, you know what? I said, for me, this method didn't work the best. But I said, I found this method that I created. Maybe it will help somebody else who's like me that they found it. And they go, no, that's not what we do. This is the method that we're taught to teach. And this is how we do it. And so I was talking to about three or four other girls who they used the same uh, program, but they had different instructors to see if, they all were taught the same thing. And of course, yes, they all were. And every single one of them said with me, I hate that method. (laughs) I hate that method. And so again, here they have a method that people have openly said, 
this does not work for me. They've openly, like, we're not being rude. We're just saying this method is not the best method available. And they're refusing to hear the needs of the people. They're refusing to modernize with progress of what's presented to them. And again, I, I think RNIB really is uh, trying to modernize, at least from what I know, because again, RNIB, when I put up how to paint your nails, someone, uh, I think two or three people who worked for RNIB actually contacted me and said, your video of how to paint your nails is perfect. Thank you so much. Uh, we've been sharing it with our clients and they have benefited, benefited from it so much. Thank you for sharing this. And I thought, you know, how come, because the organization that's over here, they get more money than that other organization. They have more publicity than that other organization. They have, you know, they have more, um, more of a build, more of an influence, and yet they're refusing to modernize. And like I said, I feel like it goes back to either it's a, a form of control or it's, it comes down to someone thinks it's not important well, why do you get to choose what's important, what's not important? Why aren't you doing surveys to find out from people? Because even companies, even companies will ask employer, employees um, when they're working. Um, I know that there's a certain craft store that's very popular that they ask their employees and say, what do you find is the most helpful in your work situation? What do you find the least attractive in your work situation? And they have surveys. And so then that comes down to, well, how can we modernize ourselves if the people that we're relying on to help us cannot help us, right? And um, so one thing that I would say is how to modernize ourselves is that think about the old family mentality, the old family. Um, we have that, you know, back at the 1800s, the old family uh the old, sorry, one second, <laughs> the old family mentality of, no and I'm not putting anybody down, please, please do not think I'm being critical, but you have the old family uh, from like the 1700s, the 1800s, or even, you know, our grandparents ages, where they believe that if you're disabled, that you should live, your life is already hard enough. And that you should live with a little bit more ease at home, uh, kind of with the mentality of that you're retired and they kind of coddle and give full support. That is great, but only if you can continue to provide for that person, because what happens when those parents pass on and there's not that financial support, that emotional support, that safe yeah. family environment, what happens to them now? So we really need to, you know, if we're a, a blind adult, we really need to, or even a teenager is even better if we can sit down and say, okay, how can I modernize myself? And maybe we have to have that crucial talk with our parents and be like, hey, look, I really appreciate everything you're doing for me, but I have to start thinking about my future. Are you going to continue to be able to support me as I get older? Or do I need to try and start making, finding provisions? And sometimes having that conversation um, is very refreshing because maybe parents are getting in a into a situation where they're like, oh, no, I don't know if we're going to be able to continue this. And they're very much concerned. And you coming along and saying, hey, look, do I need to try and you, you don't know how much that opens up in a family. And now a family is even more closer. <laughs> that's I know that's bad English, uh, more close because they um 
they've had that conversation. And so one thing that I say is if you're trying to modernize yourself, pinpoint Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. your needs as a blind person. Okay. We need to pinpoint our needs. Okay. So what are my needs? Do I need an income? Do I need a job? Do I need this? Do I need that? So make a list because sometimes what happens is we sit down and we overwhelm ourselves with information of things about our life or things about our situation that we feel like we cannot change. We feel like we're spinning our wheels. We feel like we're in a hole that we can't seem to get out of. So, okay, let's make a list. Let's write down a list. Okay. And then let's prioritize that list. Okay. What's, what do I need to get done first? What is most important to me? And then as you work on that, you need to think outside of the box for your solutions to your needs And, you know, you need to be vocal and polite. So being vocal about your needs, you know, sometimes you talk to an organization and say, hey, look, I really uh, have a desire and a need. I have a financial need um, to find work. Do you know if your organization can help me with that? And sometimes because you're so open and you pinpoint it and you're blunt, sometimes they say, well, actually, we do have a program because if you just phone up an organization and you say, yeah, I'm blind, this is my situation, but you're not pinpointing exact needs, you will never find out because you're not presenting that. And so you want to uh, make sure you have a really good attitude when you're talking to people. You don't want to have that that attitude of, because um, I see this sometimes too, and it drives me crazy. I see this attitude where people have that kind of like a, a self-entitlement um, like the organization that you're supposed to help me. Mm-hmm. Well, mm. you know what? The people who, the person who's working with you, they actually don't have any control. They answer to a manager. So the person who's working directly with you, if their hands are tied, their hands literally are tied. Um, you know, like try and keep in fact in mind that if you were in their shoes, you're trying to help somebody, you're doing everything you can. Well, Remember, this is their job, and if they didn't like this job, they would have a different job, okay? Now, I will admit, you know, there's been times that I've had a worker who I could tell this was not their first choice of job. You know what I did? All I did was I was like, you know what? Um, Your services have been great, but I don't think I need your services anymore. And I would contact the, the, you know, whatever uh, management or whatever, and I would say, would you happen to have another worker because... Uh, the worker who I'm working with, we just don't seem to, you know, mesh well. We don't seem to um, have the same priorities. Um, is there a possibility I can work with somebody else? And usually there is somebody that you can work with. And you know what? When you're polite like that, um, because if you become aggressive, they need to defend their workers. Because sometimes people are in a bad mood and they call up and they complain about pointless things. And so they automatically need to defend their workers. So if you come in with an aggressive attitude and you're like, you know what, this person is miserable. Blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? You're not going to be heard because they now have to go into defense mode because they don't know where you're leading up to. They don't know if you're coming with a real accusation or if you're in a bad mood or what's going on. And so that kind of brings me, like kind of segues me into a totally different talk about embracing resources. And I know that this is a touchy topic, especially in Canada, because there's such a stigma, even today, about people who are on a resource or using Mm -hmm. a resource or relying with a resource. And what I often say to people is, look, if I could do it myself, I would not be 
you know, I would not be using this resource. But the way I look at it is um, ever since my ancestors immigrated here, they have paid taxes. And so instead of leaving me an inheritance, they have paid taxes. Right. So now my country is giving me an inheritance that my grandparents could not because they were paying taxes. So really, it's a benefit. And because of that, I'm able to become a better member of society because if I never have a resource to be able to get sure. to a job, then I cannot pay taxes myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and what I say to people, sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was, and no problem. It was, it was interesting that you mentioned that there's this huge stigma in Canada about the acceptance mm -hmm. of resources and resource distribution. I think that that is a common topic in Canadian mm -hmm. society that is yes. not talked yes, about that's true. as much in American society uh, be, because, because of the foundation of our countries and the way that our countries were set up. Um, here, here's what I think. I think that if you're a blind person who is working and paying taxes each year, mm -hmm. then I think it is okay to accept mm -hmm. help from the government and money that is set aside for you. I think it, I think it is okay. Um, provided that you're, you're either really are working or are making a decent effort in mm -hmm. life or truly paying taxes every year properly, then it's okay to take money, you know, yeah. from the, from the state, as we say in, in the United States, the, the problem. And again, this is my opinion that a lot of people in, in the United States yeah. in my opinion, take advantage of resources and, and that, mm -hmm. that then mm -hmm. does become a problem be because then, so then I work hard every year and then I pay taxes that then go to support someone else who refuses to work. And I so see that, that firsthand all the money. time. Yeah. I have seen people. Yeah. And sometimes Big this problem. disheartens me because there have been times I've tried to work a job and my body mm -hmm. crashes because um, I'm not just blind. I have multiple uh, diagnoses, multiple disabilities. And I get so frustrated because here I am trying okay. to do everything I can to change my situation. Like I said, I don't want to be on a resource uh, because often, and I like to remind people of this, often the resources that are available are less than the poverty line. So before you criticize these people, um, you know, oh, they use this resources. Well, first off, you're, you're not living in their life every day. <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, I tell people, you know, come right, live with right. me for a week. <laughs> See what I really can do. Okay. Um, but, you know, uh, like, for instance, my brother, he has a minimum wage job. He works, you know, regular hours. And what he makes in two weeks, I would get less than that to live off of a month. Now, I am not complaining. I am not complaining. I'm just sharing a fact. So the fact is, if I need, let's say I have running shoes, which you need running shoes if you're going to go walk anywhere in public. Um, I don't need to have the best brand. I just need something to keep my feet safe and protected from the rough sidewalks and, you know, broken glass or rocks, right? So... There are times where I can't even get running shoes. I have to save money to go to a secondhand store 
to buy shoes. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but I'm just saying that sometimes people think, oh, you're on a program, you're living the life. Well, you know what? If someone's on a program and they have the they have the top gadgets and they have the top, you know, whatever, guess what? They're the ones who are scamming the system. They're the ones who are taking advantage. Someone who's well, maybe. Well, maybe. I don't know. There's there's people. Well, I mean, true. I, there I, are I, some I people. Respectfully disagree slightly. There are people that, and at any any level and any income level that are willing to take advantage of anyone else. I, I'm not sure that there's a correlation. Oh, for sure. There. I think yes, for sure. Is yes. capable of. But taking like usually, advantage of like something. if someone is like yes. that, usually their family is supporting them fully. And you're like, why are you on the system? The system is for somebody who has no income whatsoever. But anyways, uh, you know, but like, for instance, what I try and teach people is try and get to know what resources are available. Don't be afraid. Like, if you really need a resource, there is no shame in that. There's no shame. You know, like, yes, there are some people who scam, but I'm not going to sit back and judge somebody and say, well, I don't think you need to be on this. Well, because I'm not part of their life. Like, I might look at them and go, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, you say that you're, you know, whatever, and then you're going out and doing all this stuff. But, like, I'm not going to come up to you and be like, oh, you shouldn't be on this. Like, I'm not going to say anything like that. That's not my business. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know your life story. I don't know what's going on. And, um And that's, that's and that's good advice, and that's true. I, I appreciate that advice, and that's that's accurate. And and at the same time, I have found that the people who I, I don't know, it's just an Americanism, I guess. That I I have no, I, I guess I have no patience for the people who just simply take advantage of others. I guess. Um, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> saying that you have patience for others to take advantage of you, but I am saying that I have no patience and I, I have, because I, because I view that, that behavior is simply I do wrong agree with that. regardless I do of agree situation. With that. I'm not trying to rule out situation, but, but that be, that behavior is, mm-hmm. is what I would just consider socially inept. It's just a behavior that I don't yeah. accept in, in someone else. So, you know, if people are going to, if people are going to behave mm-hmm. like that, all I see is, well, that's someone who took advantage of someone else. And usually, yeah, usually in America, the people who do the most taking advantage of things are people yeah. who, yes, are, are oftentimes given a lot by their parents, oftentimes are not, sometimes not independent. Um, and in many cases yeah. actually have everything in that they could possibly want and more. But but for yes, some reason, they yeah. still feel to feel the need to behave that way. Why do they do it? And why and why, listener, you might be wondering, well, then why do they behave like that? Because I think <laughs> I think yeah. they need something to do. And I think they secretly I yes. think they, they secretly envy others success. And I think they yeah. are resentful of the fact that others are different from them. And I think that 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 also I mean, there's many probably it's a whole list of different reasons why someone acts like that. And I think that pe- people, when it, when it comes to issues of finance, yeah, they do. Buying yes, they things, do. Pe- people get weird. Yeah, Cause about no, that I agree quickly. 100%. Like I get so annoyed when I know that someone is taking advantage of something, but usually I'm just like, you know what? 
that's between them and God. And I'm just going to, because if I focus on that, then I'm going to get discontented and I'm going to get annoyed and my peace of mind is going to be affected. But yes, I do have that same mentality where if I know someone Mm -hmm. is taking advantage of a system or they're taking advantage of a situation or a person or funding, I get annoyed because I'm like, there are so many other people who like they really need that and you're making life difficult because now you're also creating a stigma. Anyone who knows you now is going to lump us all together (laughs) and they're going to all think we're all like you. Thank you. But like, I try not to focus on it so much just because for my peace of mind and for my, you know, like I'm going to start getting discontented with them. You know what I mean? So I often try and, and let it go and, You know, sometimes I advise people and say, you know what, phone around, find out what resources are available to you, because this is the big thing. If there's something in your life you do not like, and it's really bothering your peace of mind, it's really bothering your day-to-day life, it's really affecting or influencing you in such a way that it's really wearing you down, it's really burdening you down, what I would encourage you to do, I can't tell if my body is trying to hiccup or sneeze, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well it's well you know what well you know what it's it's a it's a natural <laughs> it's a natural thing this is this is a fun podcast so you're so you're okay. allowed so well, you're if you're wondering why i have these and sneeze i love both of those things you can sneeze <laughs> you can sneeze and then you can wait a few minutes and then do a hiccup or you can hiccup now and sneeze later or you could hiccup now and never sneeze or well, I didn't you want know, you to wonder more, like what are all these pauses in her speech about what's wrong slightest. with her no it's my I don't know if I'm trying to sneeze or hiccup I can feel it I at don't... the back of my throat but we will see <laughs> time will tell <laughs> yeah it's spring it let me guys let mm-hmm. me tell you it's we're coming up on the first of April and, and I I, t- I t- around where I live in the states wherever that might be um, that every every few years, and yeah. I'm hoping that this isn't the year for this because I don't need anything more. The the the, yeah. the pollen gets out of control, and mm. it's so bad. The problem is I have glaucoma, ladies and gentlemen. So because of that, I cannot take a lot of the but medicines um, over the counter stuff that you might be able to take. You as the listener, it, it is very annoying. And sometimes I, I kid you not, listeners. Sometimes it's so bad. Mm. The pollen is so bad that it actually makes me feel like I have a fever because somehow it like gets into my stomach and upsets my stomach and it like affects my entire body. It's, it's really strange from year to year. It hasn't happened in a while like that. It used to happen when I was younger. Now I'm 28 years old. When I was a teenager, it happened more probably just because my body was growing and changing so much as a teenager it was more prevalent and more noticeable then, but it hasn't come back recently. I hope it doesn't happen this year, but yeah, man, oh man, ooh la la, let me tell you, that pollen. Yeah, so <laughs> so guys, if you hear me sneeze, I'm I'm gonna apologize on this episode and um and I'm not gonna apologize. So listen, if you don't if you if you're confused, you need to go back and let, play this part of this episode for people so you understand what the rules are. No, I, I allow sneezing. I guarantee you in future episodes it, it's gonna happen. It's it's really loud. When I when I teach, <laughs> I have a muter on my microphone and I mute. So my if we hear a sonic boom in Canada, that was you, right? <laughs> but <laughs> or something. Like it's bad. It's 
Sometimes my really good students who know me while they we allow <laughs> sneezing, I, I try to mute it, but <laughs> if the sneeze happens too fast, I can't do anything about it. You know, I can't push the button. I have to try to push a flip a switch and and <laughs> hold back a sneeze and, and hold still all at the same time. You know, I, I I'm able to do it. People people ask me, Aaron, how, how do you do that? It's uh, you know, I, I don't know. Wow. You just, just have to practice. <laughs> Take these things. You have to practice. That's doing nice. It. It's hard. You have to control things very quickly. It's hard though. Yeah. Every mm-hmm. once in a while on, on television, you hear mistakes and radio. Yeah. Occasionally they do sneeze and they just, sorry, it's sneeze. Sorry about that. There's nothing you can do yeah. about it. It's important <laughs> to try when you're a podcaster or a YouTuber, For sure. try not to do it um, because yeah. it does create yeah. a distraction, but eventually it's going to happen. Yes. If I'm able to catch it on a podcast, I would step out of my office for a minute to close the door, walk away from the office, sneeze, walk all the way yeah. back in. No, yeah, I don't me. have an attractive trust girl me. sneeze yes. at all. Yeah. Where where were we before? I, I never, I've heard some woman and they have like this really cute. I never knew that And I'm like, oh, really? Is that your girl sneeze? Are you faking a sneeze right now? But <laughs> See? It's a it's a cute girl. I've always wondered that. Right? Yeah, I don't have that. I have this you know, like people... party, and I'm like, sorry guys, yeah, I just weird. sneezed up along there. I'm I apologize. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know how they do it. There's these people. There's these yeah, people, like this little mouse sneeze, but they don't really and like, sneeze. They're just like making this. Was that a real sound. sneeze? Did you really sneeze? I don't understand how you did that. Teach me. <laughs> yeah or let it out let it out let it out well, well i think i would be afraid of whatever's going to come out what, what from are the they sneeze i always get worried when i'm sitting next to someone and i hear them sneeze and i go please tell me you covered your mouth please tell me you covered your face <laughs> no stop wait a minute Wait a minute. No, I always try and covers, cover with my, with like, hands. with my arm. Do, do you do that? Just because I never know when I'm going to touch somebody, and I don't want to, like, sneeze on my Good. hand and then touch them. I have a really weird thing about spit. I hate spit. And Yeah, that's what we do yeah. in the States. Yeah. No, that's, and that's, in my opinion, that's the right way to do it. We have a policy in America where I, I, don't, oh, I don't understand no. it, and I think it's disgusting. We sneeze in our hands. Oh, hi, Aaron. Nice. And then, and then two, two minutes later. Yeah, oh, nice I hate that. You, like, you can even ask my husband. It's even We've been married for what, seven, opinion. eight months now. And I do not, I will not share the same straw, cup, or water bottle as him. And he thinks it's so weird. He's like, I don't understand. We're, we're married. Like, and I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I can't do that. Yeah. Other people, well, it's, it's about other, in, in, in North America, we have a, yeah. we have an obsession with germs and we have a fixation with that type of thing. In other countries, they just simply are just mm-hmm. not as concerned with the, with, with that type of thing. I am not, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that the, in Philippines, they don't care about that. I'm just saying that in other countries, um, people, you know, I think it does, it, it is, it is a cultural thing because you live with, usually live in larger groups in other countries. So I think I don't over know, time, because people my who dad, live in other countries outside of the no North problem. American area, like, he'll just uh, grab a cup and I'm like, did you make sure yeah. that that didn't belong to someone previously before you just grabbed that? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm always like, mm. I'm like, oh, one time this, this will make you laugh. One time we had, I forget what we were moving or something. It was something big. And so 
we had gotten home. I was tired. I started brushing my teeth and I come out to ask my mom a question while I'm brushing my teeth. And my brother pipes up and goes, that's my toothbrush. And I go, no, it's not. It's mine. And he goes, no, he goes, I just changed toothbrushes. That's my red toothbrush. And oh my goodness. I thought like, I am so paranoid. I will not even share the same tube of toothpaste with somebody else. They have to have their own tube of toothpaste. Like that is just, that is just the way I am. That's the way I've always been. Even from the time I was a kid, I actually would save allowance to go and buy my own tube of toothpaste because that's how paranoid I was. (laughs) No. So that's the way I am. And then all of a sudden I had this episode where I had that. Oh my goodness. I was just, Oh my, I, Oh I was like, from then on, I was like, make sure you keep your, your toothbrush in a separate part of the bathroom. Like, oh, I was just, yeah. So if you know me, you know that I died inside when I came to that realization. I was just, oh, I was so done with that. I was like, no, I'm like, that's, that's something of nightmares are made out of. <laughs> yeah, I'm just weird like that. So being independent, keep your toothbrush in your own spot, Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially when you cannot see where everyone else is putting their toothbrush. And I could see that. (laughs) But right. Or I think, I think, you know what I think it is? I don't think it's about independence. (laughs) There we go. I think it's about (laughs) modernization. And when we modernize, and when we modernize, we should know where to keep our our toothbrush. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting to talk about it in history. You know, this notion of hygiene. There were times, just ask old folk, just ask old people. In the, even in the 1950s, they were doing things medically yeah. and, and doing hygienic things in the 50s mm-hmm. that would just give us just give us the chills today to think back on. And I've asked, you know, people who maybe, you know, maybe a relative of mine was uh, maybe a, a war veteran. And I, I've kind of asked a, a, a question about that. I said, basically, I wondered, you know, did, goodness, you know, good, good, goodness, Mr. Smith, goodness, Bob, didn't that, didn't that bother you? <laughs> he said, well, well no, that's yeah, not, that's, that's the true. time you're living. That's, the, that's your reality. You think nothing of it at the time, you know, and then you look, <laughs> then look you didn't back die. and realize, well, you realize how lucky you were that you survived it. But then you think, but then you think, yeah, that nowadays that is a little strange, but I, I, I guarantee, I guarantee that we do things today that 50 years from now when it's yeah, know, 2070, yeah, exactly. we'll like look back at 2020. What? We did that? What? What? Yuck. Or, oh my God, you know, yeah, well, that's true. you, you can only live the best that you can with what you have at that, at that particular time. And it's, it's interesting to study society because of the society of the 1950s and society today what happened was in the 80s and 90s society started mm-hmm. to change and modernize very very rapidly you know so i think that was that was the transition and then i think around 2006 um yeah. is when i started yeah. to notice things well that was the conversation really i had one time with my mom my mom used to uh mm-hmm. work for people who were jewish and um this was so interesting because uh whenever you look at history at major like major cures or major inventions. Um, it A lot of them really came from uh, people who had a Jewish heritage or they were Jewish and they've always seemed to be ahead of the times. And one of the things that was so interesting is if you look back in history of even pandemics that happened in history, 
they never seem to have those huge numbers that were hit. And like my mom and I. And by the and listen by the way, and for the listeners, I I I, I please don't please don't say that word because I simply don't want to get into that. So, but you but what <laughs> okay. you're saying is is interesting. I don't want to get into that that topic today. Okay, sure. Okay. Yeah, let's just um, not, let's just steer. But away like from some that. people seem more yes. prone to mm-hmm. modernization. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'll leave it at that. But it is uh, more pe- some certain people seem to be more prone um, to modernization. Okay, well, yeah. Well, I, well, okay. well. I mean, actually, okay. Yeah, sure, 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 sure thing. Actually, you could say that to anyone. You could say that you're prone for this, prone for that, or everybody has. Everybody has their. You know, mm-hmm. I was speaking with um, a student who happened to be a doctor, and I was explaining to him about my my blindness and about you know disability, and he, he said something. He said something truly that that I learned from. And any time that. I can learn from a guest anytime that I learn from a student in my teaching work, whatever that is, I always appreciate it. And he said, Aaron, he said something beautiful. He said, the truth mm-hmm. is in life, mm-hmm. every person has an ability and a disability. And it's up to us to understand that. And it's us, up to us to accept our abilities yeah. and to humbly accept our disabilities and I appreciated it when mm-hmm, he said it. I sure. thought that was a really good, a really accurate thing to say and a really good point. Yes, you know, that, that is so true. That we all have, that we is all so have true. our ups and downs. And I always find like, it's so interesting. Doubt. Like, yes. it's kind of funny yes. because when I was in high school and college, I found <clears throat> history class to be extremely boring. But now that I'm older... Oh, I always, found, I always found history class to be okay. So when I was younger, I didn't appreciate it as much as I do now. Um, but like, it's just there's so much interesting things that we can learn from the past. And like when I was discussing with my mom and saying, you know, it's funny how certain groups or certain people or different things like that um, seem to be more willing to modernize that as a whole they seem to get some kind of um, advantage from it. You know what I mean? So when we as a society teach to our people, teach to our neighbors, teach to our children, this, you know, embracing of modernization, there seems to be huge advantages that seem to follow. And um, I said to my mom, I'm like, I wish more people would be more open to the concept. Like I've met people who go, you know what? I'm very open-minded, but then (laughs) they say that. But then when you talk about something like, well, no, no. And you're you're like, no, no, no. Just, just listen to what I'm saying. No, no. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so it just makes me laugh because, you know, that's, that also is like a form of modernization as well. And, um, you know, we, we talk about how modernization and every topic that I've talked about today, it really all evolves around that modernization or that adaptability. Like, you know, we talked about a YouTube channel today. Well, YouTube channel is part of our technology today. Although I think right now the next biggest platform is actually TikTok, not YouTube at the moment, but you know what I mean? Like we are, we're advancing and, you know, we, we come all, you know, our, all the topics we talked about really revolve around our ability to modernize. You know, we talked about embracing resources. Again, that's modernization because, you know, when our grandparents were children, 
And if they had a similar situation, they did not have any of the resources that we had available today. So in a way, I'm grateful that we have the resources that we are today rather than, you know, 80 years ago. I think I would have really struggled, you know, being somebody back in the 80s. But then maybe I wouldn't because I would have the same mindset as them. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, but, um, you know, just all of that, all of this, like, I just cannot stress that enough with people about this really focusing on modernizing. And I've had to be careful too, because I had somebody, I had two people who they have worked for or with the major organization here. And they said, they said to me, be careful. And I, I didn't, I never put an organization down. I've never. And in fact, I have said over and over, I am grateful to the organizations that we do have because they do help fill some roles. There are some things that they do very, very well. I'm just saying as a general application, they need to modernize. And I had, you know, two people say, be careful. They're watching you. They're talking about you here. And I was like, oh, and I said, well, I'm not trying to cause an uproar. I'm not trying to cause a problem for anybody. I'm just trying to get this fact in that, you know, you really need to any kind of organization that you're saying you're helping people like this is, here's a good example. I need help. Let's say I need help putting books on a bookshelf. I need them to stand up and down on the bookshelf like they're supposed to be. And someone says, here, I will help you. And they take the box and put the box and all on the shelf and they go, okay, I put the books on the shelf for you. That's not really helping me. Like, essentially, yes, the books are on the bookshelf, but they're still in the box. They're not neatly organized. They're not put where they need to be. I know that's probably a really bad example for me being a blind person to other blind individuals <laughs> about the books on the bookshelf. But this is as basic as I can get. And in their mind, they go, there, I've helped you. But to me, no, you haven't helped me at all. You did what you wanted to do. And that is not helping me. In the end, you have not accomplished anything to help me. You've made a show. You, you know, maybe you took a picture with me. and You go, look, I helped this person. But in the end, no, you didn't. Because I still have to try and get it done myself when you said that you were going to help me. And, um, like, that may not be the best example because, like, we all have a full capability of putting books on our shelf. But you know what I mean? Like, I'm just saying, if I wasn't able to do that myself, I needed help, and then they do it wrong, are you still helping? <laughs> or you're not doing it completely. Are you still helping? Like, what's the idea of helping? You know, and um, I t when I talk to people about family support, because I hear this a lot too in groups. I hear people say, my family doesn't support me. My parents don't support me. My spouse doesn't support me. My so-and-so doesn't support me. And I'll say, okay, sometimes we have to have a conversation like you're four, like you're a kindergartner and say, I need you to please take the books out of the box and organize them alphabetically on the shelf. And you might say, well, that seems complicated. Like, why can't you just say, put the books on the shelf? And, you know, sometimes we have to talk like we're children. And I'm not saying talk to blind people like we're children. I'm not saying that. I'm saying sometimes we need to talk to each other just with basic conversation skills to know 
what each other wants. Once you know what each other wants, you're able to fully support and help each other. And I feel like organizations aren't doing that. They're not bothering to have that conversation. They're not bothering to break things down and say, okay, what exactly do you want help with? What exactly do you need help with? And I've been very lucky. I've had some people in my life where, um, like, for instance, our family doctor, they have a resource person that they set up with. They have an official title, which I am so sorry. I cannot remember, but I call her the resource person. And I go to a meeting with her and I say, okay, I need an income. And she sets me up with employment. And um, it's an employment uh, service where they help you make resumes. They help you apply for different jobs. Um, it's a free service. Well, free to me, free service. Um, anyone who needs help with the job can go there. Uh, there's also other things like if I say, okay, you know what? I have medical supplies that I cannot pay for, um, that my doctor told me to have. Is there something, is there like, is there a credit that I can pay off sometime or something that I, I can apply for that I can, you know, get this done? Um, you know, and so she can set you up with different things and each, like even just in Canada, each province is different. And so one thing I would say is learn what your resources are that are available. Um, you know, it doesn't hurt to call up a service and say, um, I just want to know a little bit about your service and do you do anything with the blind? Is there anything you can help with, with the blind? And again, going back to pinpointing your needs, writing down exactly what are your needs. And when you are able to pinpoint, because sometimes we're frustrated with life and we don't even know what we're frustrated about. You know what I mean? Have you ever had a situation you were in and you were just so frustrated? Sure. Mm -hmm. And, and all, you couldn't pinpoint exactly I what have, was frustrating sure you and that even made you more frustrated have. because if yes. you knew what was frustrating you, you could fix it. So that's kind of like in our own life. And I'm telling people, look, I'm not preaching to anybody. These are things that I have had to learn myself. That's the whole reason why I became a YouTuber. Um, like I'm taking online courses to become a life counselor or like a, a life coach, uh, you know, stuff like that. And so along the way, I have learned things about myself mm -hmm. or for yes, myself yes. that I myself have had to learn so that in turn, I can help somebody else because it is not wise. Like for instance, if I'm somebody and when I went blind, I had to file bankruptcy. I had school debt. I no longer was able to work towards my goal of um, piano mastery. I had been working on that degree. I was excited about finishing that degree and I was, <laughs> I was blindsided with blindness. Um, and, uh, And what is, and for our listeners from um, the United States who maybe don't know, it was a slightly used some maybe Canadian So we have the Royal Conservatory of what, Music. What That's an international school master, of music. It has that? the highest standard of uh, piano education worldwide. Uh, right now, there's another mm -hmm. program that, that has the highest standard of singing. But so far, RCM has the highest standard uh, for piano learning and piano teaching. And I was working on my advanced pedagogy certificate through the ARCT degree. And I ended up, because I have my uh, beginners and wow. intermediate, but I was working on my advanced. Only after you have finished advanced, you get this great big diploma. You have a special ceremony. You go down to Toronto where headquarters are. You walk down the aisle. You receive this diploma. It's a big, huge deal. 
And I had been working on music since I was four years old. So this was something I was like, I was geared and determined to get. This is once I got this, I would be able to have um, a music studio where I had where I was teaching and other people were working for me. I would be uh, like I would be set career and financially for life. Um, I would you know, I would have no struggles and knowing me. Um, because I was considered disabled even before I went blind because I have lupus and arthritis. Um, I have, you know, malabsorption and a, a, a bunch of other things I could bore you with. And so having this would have been the perfect job. I can set my own hours. And like I said, people working for me. So then, you know, I still would be making a little bit of income. And um, so this was something that I, you know, I dedicated my life to. And when I went blind, I was not able to keep up with the studies because as my vision became less, I wasn't able to see the music as clearly. And I was paying a lot of money for lessons and exams and books. So I was not able to keep up with the workload because I now was learning a lot slower because I had to memorize each little section as I was going. I couldn't just sit down and play through the whole piece like I could before because, you know, you have an eight page song that you have to try and flip through and, and get co close up to the music so you can see. I only had one functioning eye at that point. And um, so I ended up having to drop that. So because of that, I had to, like, because I had school debt that I was planning on paying off after I got my degree and I started, you know, I was going to go fully into full-time work doing this. Um, all that to say if I was somebody who I was like, I'm still, let's say if I was still bankrupt, I was still uh, dirt poor or I had no money. And then I'm trying to give financial advice to somebody. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't seem very good, does it? So taking these online courses of becoming a life counselor and a life coach, one of the biggest things that taught me was don't counsel outside of your realm. Don't counsel outside of your experience. And so Oftentimes when I'm online and I'm talking to people about how to cope, how to deal, um, I'm telling them about resources, how to find resources. I'm not preaching at people. I'm just trying to share what I have learned from my experiences because I have met people. I have met people. Oh, my goodness. I have met people who they will say to me, like, I am considered fully blind. I, I refuse to believe that I am. I pretend that with my glasses, I can still see a little bit. But the truth is, I'm guessing at what I'm saying, and I'm often wrong, but I like to pretend that I can see it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's denial or not, because I know enough that I am blind, but <laughs> anyways, um, uh, so I get totally off track, don't I? I'm sorry about that. <laughs> uh, but I've had people who, like, their vision is totally correctable with glasses. Like, I mean, they can read regular print. They can read fine print with their glasses. You know, they can see colors. I can't see any of that. And they'll go, I totally know what it feels like. And I'm like, girl, I cannot drive. I am discriminated against whenever I apply for work. You drive, you have a full-time job. Don't even, don't, don't even say, you know what I'm going through. You know what I mean? So um, I keep that in mind. I keep that in the back of my mind. Not that I'm judging someone who does that. Just for the fact that I remind myself that I don't want to be that person. You know what I mean? When I'm talking to someone or, you know, we're talking about life issues or dealing with blindness or, you know, oftentimes I discuss because I'm married. Um, 
I had to come across a whole different perspective of my idea as a, a housewife. My husband wants me as a housewife. And so um, I'm happy uh, to be that, to be that for him. And there were times where I had to learn to accept the fact that I could not be the housewife that I pictured in my mind, you know? And so I've talked about interabled couples a lot because that's something that I have had to grow through. I have had to learn a whole new idea of self-acceptance that I wasn't even aware of before. And so again, when I'm talking to people, I try and, and say to them, look, I'm not preaching at people. I'm not trying to act like I know what's going on. I'm not trying to act like I know any better than you. But from my experience, this is what I've had to deal with. And if it helps, if it happens to help one other person out there, that's what I'm happy with. Like when I was talking earlier about my blind bride breakdown, and I was talking about, you know, I got all these negative comments. You know what? I got three amazing, detailed, long messages from three different people who their lives totally were touched and made even a little bit better in the situation that they were going through, that made it worth it for me because I just want to be able to help one other person with their life that I wish there was someone there that was helping me with that. And I say this a lot because, you know, I grew up very, um, we grew up in church. I'm a part of church. Um, you know, I don't, I don't personally go about claiming a denomination or um, a particular title because I just tell everybody, you know, if everyone just tried to live right and do the do right things and please God, we would all be happy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, you know, don't be trolls in life. <laughs> yeah, but of course, but but you see you said that in the same sentence, which is interesting because the the reality of of life, and if I knew this answer, then I, if we knew everything, then then life wouldn't have meaning. If we had, you know, if everyone was perfect, then we would then we would never be able to strive for for perfection. We would never learn right from wrong. Is the is the philosophical answer for? I'm sure you're wondering, have wondered, will wonder. Then why is there evil in the world when it's clearly well, because wrong? Because we and have why, emotions. Right? Why then so... can't everyone just do the just thing and just be perfect? Well, unfortunately, well, the the philosophical yes, and the philosophical answer is that because if if everything was the same, we would have nothing to work towards. Is is the answer to that? The same. The same type of thing, similar idea. It's kind of different, but it's it's also interesting. Students have asked me, you know, oh, Aaron, what do you think about all this new, um, <clears throat> you know, technology where you can like, um, hopefully in the future, we'll be able to like do organ transplants and like live much, much, much longer lives. And I've said two interesting things to students about it. I would say, well, it would depend on the quality of your life. That's the obvious answer is it would depend on the quality of, of your life after the operation or however they went about changing whatever organ needed to be changed. The other thing I've said is, in my opinion, it's not natural. And I think that if we truly manipulate that to a point where in, in future generations, people will somehow figure out a way of That's living a <laughs> well over 150 years, which is, yeah. a, you know, a, a thought process, you know, well, then 
which for us it is for us it would be for other animals there are a couple animals that can live easily that long um but for us that would be a long time and you know what i think is very is the scariest thing of all is if someone lives 150 years mm-hmm. well i hope that they're a very active person because if not they're going to get very lazy because they're going to discover that life does not have as much meaning if there is no limitation i don't know that mm-hmm. really pulls mm-hmm. us into this whole, you know, philosophical thing. Students ask me mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. Students ask, Aaron, you know, what's the meaning of life? And those are some of the answers I give for better, for <laughs> for whatever it is or is not. I don't know. All I know is that's my opinion. I think that that, that, that would be, that, that I think that life, if, if it was, um, you know, uh, immortal, if there was some immortal fix, I think I think that that would I think we do need to think about it because other researchers are trying to figure it out. I think that that would really disrupt the meaning of life. And I mean that philosophically and I mean it from a practical sense. You know, oh, boy, if you think people are lazy today, if you think people don't get anything done today, wait until wait until we find a way where they can live yeah. to be over 100. Well, then well, then they'll only start putting that's forth kind of the beauty of humanity, though. We don't know. Then, we don't know, you know our expiration so, date. We have no you know, guarantee. It, it, if we're going to die today, if we're going to die tomorrow, if we're going to die a hundred years from now, because even let's say they found a way to make a perfect body that they said, you know what, you will live exactly 200 years. You can get hit by a car at 50 years old. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's the beauty of humanity. That's the beauty of, I hate saying the beauty of fragility, right. but that gives your life. Um, yeah, you really have to, and you do have to believe that each person has a purpose Meaning. and reason to be here or else why are we all here? And yeah, I sad to say evil does exist. It will always exist mm-hmm. in the, our human world for the fact that we all have a free choice, a free will. And sometimes people act on emotions. Like sometimes, you know, they're in a bad mood and someone goes, Hey, how you doing? Leave me alone. I wasn't talking to you. Like that, that other person didn't even deserve you snapping at them, but that person acted on an emotion. So yeah, we all have, you know, different thought processes that we have to think on and focus on and figure out for ourselves, like, where do I belong? Where do I belong in the world? Where do I belong here? And yeah, it gives you quite a bit to think about. It gives quite a bit. But if we all strive to do what was right, and I know every percentage, like, for instance, in life, there's always going to be a percentage that are trolls. There's always going to be a percentage that are lazy there's always going to be a percentage that they take advantage of things but you know we still have to teach morality we still have to teach principle we still have to teach character because if we if we looked around and go what's the point of teaching character anymore well now it's going to become worse (laughs) you know what i mean because now you've thrown it completely out the window and was like ah oh have fun with it (laughs) so yeah it it gives a it's quite a thought process it gives you a lot to think about for sure i think Without any doubt. Well, that is Ashley Stewart. Once again, my name is Aaron Richmond. <laughs> and for those of you who are new, I'm I'm basically pausing as we go through this um, because now we're going to be getting a, a probably, or my hope is that we're going to get an <laughs> influx of a completely new group of listeners with this new um, add-on today. This will create a new wave 
of people from all over the world, all walks of life that had never had access to this show. Yeah, you'd be surprised about that. There's a, there is there's even a group of people really who, who are wow. discriminatory about podcasts. They they if that thing's not on Apple Podcasts, I did not I'm know not that. Listening to it or there. Oh, there's a lot of oh, there's a lot of people that are like that, and there's a lot of people that now you hmm. know. There's a lot of people that refuse to download all the other apps because they think they're inferior, which it's mm -hmm. obviously like not not true. Is a yeah, podcast can be mindset. just as good on any app, but it's it's about the it's again it's about the influence. It's about the the mm -hmm. wanting to tell people that that you're listening to a podcast on the most important well, platform. Well, they come to that conclusion. I, I don't really know what the connection is there because that, that doesn't make or break a podcast. The podcast. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The podcast. And a lot of people come breaks. to their own conclusions. The, and this is for anything in life. It doesn't matter if it's right. disability related. It doesn't matter if it's religion related. It doesn't matter if it's brand related. People will come to a conclusion or a mindset because of what they've been told. I get people all the time. They'll say something negative. They'll say something negative about someone who's blind or they'll say someone negative about a disability. And I'll say, well, why do, why do you say that? And they'll say, well, my mom knew somebody or my dad knew somebody or my friend knew somebody. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, so it's not your personal experience that you're making this judgment. It's what you've been told. And I said, how do you know that what they're saying hasn't been tainted by their own emotion or their own feeling? So, yeah, I find it interesting. Yeah, and people today, that is really, for, and everybody says that because you know why? It's a very simple, it's a very simple reason. And, you know, Ashley, I'm sure listeners, you might know why. Ashley, why do you think someone is more likely to say, well, my mom said that or someone I knew said that about this other person? I really why feel are people like more likely people, to, to have those opinions they take a lot of and share them with you? By, There's a very simple reason why. I don't, I don't know if I want to say blind luck or they just take things at what people say without ever researching. And really, to me, I feel like it's a laziness that people, they don't want to look up the facts. <laughs> they want to go with popular opinion. They want whatever the popular opinion. Well, it's not well that it's. But the other thing, the other thing is, yeah, the other they don't have accountability. They know that if they say but it, someone else said it, they know that they don't have to take full responsibility for saying it themselves. They're trying to. They're yeah. trying yeah. to. They're trying to. Basically, they're dodging yep. the accountability. They're trying to shake off the accountability. For some reason, people do not want to be held accountable for their action, which I don't. I exactly. don't really understand that exactly. because if, you know, it, it's like if only you did the right thing, then mm -hmm. you would be proud of your actions to be accounted for. You know, but but not enough people are like that. So unfortunately, <laughs> the they have effects. to shake off the they're, accountability. They're like a they repeat what they've this, been told without this. themselves they, really understanding or taking responsibility for what they're going to say. Mhm. Mm yeah, which basically devalues what they're saying. Even mm -hmm. even and let's say that let's say that someone else said something to them about someone else that was true, which is rare because if people talk about other people, they're usually talking about people to say things that are not true, but if they do talk about someone else or a topic or a philosophy, or if they do say a fact that someone else told them that somehow managed to be true, which is rare. Um, 
you know, I don't know. I just think it's really, mm-hmm. I just think that's, that's, people yeah, that's are just so like true. that. They don't, nobody yeah, wants to I be I see that all held, the time. And I used to see that for, when I was teaching reason. piano. Mm-hmm. Not, not everybody, but occasionally there would be a family where the parents never, and I laugh at this because, you know, especially now with this quarantine that's going on, children are at home. Parents are trying to make sure their kids are not getting behind in their um studies and stuff like that and i heard this post and i love it so much and it Mm -hmm. said a lot of teachers are are about to realize that it's not the teacher's fault that their children were not whatever the case was and as a piano teacher um because i still teach music off and on as a piano teacher i would see this where you know a parent was not enforcing Um, positive practice habits or not encouraging a proper practicing environment. And I would say to the parent, you know, because I would say, you know, little Johnny here, um, he's lagging behind in his studies. He's not getting his studies done. Um, Can I offer some tips at home, you know, that could encourage, you know, him to learn this aspect better. And oftentimes they would be like, well, you don't make it interesting enough for him to learn. And I would be like, excuse me. I have him for half an hour out of the week. You have him for seven days. (laughs) It is not me. I'm the one. I have a certificate to prove I have been tested on how I teach. (laughs) Like I am more than open to hear your opinion. And especially when you work on students one-on-one, like I work on students one-on-one, believe me, I'm going to change my method that works Mm -hmm. best with that student. But if they're not practicing and they're not using what they're learning, they're not going to remember it next week. And I would see this with parents all the time. And then when you point out, actually, you need to be practicing, they would throw out some kind of, well, my work schedule, like, they would not take accountability and go, yeah, I haven't been practicing with him. Like, if I would say, have you practiced with Johnny this week? Have you sat down at the piano with him even for five minutes each day? They would never give me a yes or no answer. They would throw out this kind of roundabout where they didn't have to take accountability. And I'm noticing it more in a lot of the generations that are my age and younger, where no one seems to take accountability, like even trolls on the internet, like, you know what I mean? Like they don't even take accountability. And um, like, it's, it's, it's an interesting mindset. And again, I say that it's refusing to modernize. <laughs> I really do believe because Well, that's not quite, well, okay, fine. That's not, I mean, it's not quite True, but like, that's the, you know, they try to say that their work the schedule is too type. much or their work schedule. And a well, lot of, you have so many tools today um, mm-hmm. that you can work around your work schedule. You know what right. I mean? Like you can, you know, you can schedule all kinds of stuff during the day. Like it's five minutes. You're telling me you cannot schedule five minutes, you know, and just, And it's not just that. I see it all over the place with everything. And there was a time in my life when I was younger that I would foolishly act like it wasn't my accountability. But then when I came to the realization, and I think this is something each person has to come to at their own time, at their own realization. When you come to a point where you come to the mindset of this is my life, the choices I make for my life is what is going to decide if I am going to live my best life or not, right? And when you come to that realization, now you have an accountability to yourself that, wait, 
Am I making the decisions now that are going to really be beneficial for me in the future? Or am I making decisions just kind of casually not caring what's going to happen? Oh, wow. I didn't think about how that's going to affect me, you know, next week, next month, next year, five years down the road. And, you know, I think people kind of have to come to that realization before they're able to fully grasp accountability. If you know what I mean? Like, some some people reach that at an early age. Some people reach that later in life. Like, you know, I kind of reached that in my uh, teen, teenish, 20-ish years, you know, that I came to that realization of, you know what? It doesn't matter what's happened to me in the mm, past or what's mm. done to me in the past or what's going on out of my control. What's happening in my control, what's happening in my choices, it was what is going to determine what my life is like in the future. And I really feel like that's the mindset of moving forward. You have to, that's the natural process of life. You're supposed to move forward. You're supposed to um, mature Mm -hmm. in the way you think. And there are some people who even, even in their own life refuse to mature. They refuse to have this mindset of accountability. They refuse to have this mindset of, well, yeah, it's my life. I need to figure out what works for me, what doesn't work for me. So (laughs) that's kind of like advancements in life, I guess, would be the right word for that. I, I suppose, I suppose so. And I think everyone kind of goes through life at different, at different. Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get Uniquely Yours Ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details. It's time for pumpkin flavors and new fall favorites at Dunkin'. And also some tough decisions. Like, do I want a signature pumpkin spice ice latte? A brand new oat milk latte? A new chai latte? Or a pumpkin iced coffee? Oh, and the bakery. Do I want a pumpkin donut or... Uh, there are other people behind you in this drive-thru. Oh, uh, I'll just take it all. Okay. It's all the cozy you crave at Dunkin'. Pumpkin favorites and new fall additions, like new creamy without the dairy oat milk lattes and the signature pumpkin spice ice latte, plus more. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.